You're listening to the Keep Going Podcast with a new name. By the end of this story, I promise I'll explain why. I'm Nika Maples. Note, this is a continuation of the previous episode. If you'd like to go back to the beginning, please listen to episode 59, COVID Lessons Part 1. This is episode 60, COVID Lessons Part 2. When my friend Derica, an experienced ER nurse, advised me to go to the hospital based on my COVID symptoms and my struggle to breathe, I told her no. I've been sick for 12 days and haven't had a shower in all that time. If I can just get clean and refreshed, I'm going to feel like a new person. I don't need to go to the hospital, I reasoned. By that time, Becky, Derica, and Macy were busy about my apartment, alternately cleaning, making phone calls to my family, and whispering their questions about whether they could feasibly force me to go to the hospital. It's so strange the way denial works. A perfectly sane person who has a history of competence and is sure they know how to make sound decisions can be waylaid by denial if they're not careful. My friends were conspiring about my well-being because what they were seeing and hearing and what I was seeing and hearing were two very different things. I finally got into the shower. The moment I pulled the shower curtain closed and was enveloped by steam, I panicked. The only thought in my mind was, what have I done? I couldn't breathe. I've never felt that kind of claustrophobia before. I wanted to scream, but I was frozen. All I could do was turn off the water, but I could not get out of the shower. I couldn't move. Derica, Derica, I whispered as loud as I could. Somehow she heard me through the door and came in. There I was, standing in the shower, naked, dripping wet, and virtually paralyzed. I can't move, I said. I can't get out by myself. Derricka wrapped a towel around me and half helped, half pulled me over the rim of the bathtub. She pivoted to set me down on the toilet where she could dry me off and blow dry my hair. I was limp and resigned. I didn't even have the energy to care that I was naked and that my friend was dressing me. I could not do it by myself. When I was finally finished, she opened the door and helped me stumble to a chair in the bedroom. There, she placed a pulse oximeter on my finger. 85% oxygen saturation. Is that okay? I asked. No, it's not okay, she said. Well, what if something is wrong with this thing? Did you check it before you put it on my finger? What are your readings? 99 and 100. Becky said. I called ahead to a friend at the hospital, Macy said, coming into the room, her phone to her ear. They say they can admit you right away. There won't be a long ER wait, Nika. All you have to say is yes, and we'll get you to the car. I looked down, thinking. For once, I wasn't protesting. I couldn't argue with 85%. Look, let's stop and ask the Lord what to do and where to go. Let's ask him for the hospital name. Let's pray, Macy said, hanging up the phone. She got on her knees and bent her face to the ground. Becky did too. 
Derricka held me upright in the chair and we both bowed our heads. Macy said a quick prayer aloud and then the four of us waited in silence. There are several major hospitals in the DFW area, a couple of which I had been to over the years, but this time the Lord clearly dropped a different name into my mind. And though I wasn't even sure where that hospital was located, I knew we were supposed to go there. After a moment, Macy said, Okay, what did we all hear? Baylor. 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 We all looked around at one another. None of us knew exactly where the hospital was. All right, let's go. I finally nodded, and my friends sprang into action. It took great effort, but with labored steps that seemed to last forever, we all walked to the car. Becky walked ahead of me, cheering me on. You're almost there. You're almost there, she said. I wasn't almost there, but she kept telling me that I was. And with each step, I believed it. I kept moving my feet, looking down. It was all I could do. Derricka held me up as I leaned on the walker, and she was whispering in my ear, Take a breath. Take a breath. The hospital we had chosen was only one mile away. A healthy person would have been able to walk there. We arrived in seconds. I could hear Becky crying behind me as she talked to my brother on the phone, telling him where we were headed. And finally, under the hospital portico, I shifted from the car to a waiting wheelchair. And within moments, Becky was giving my information to the intake nurse. Then she was hugging me tight and saying, You are not alone, Mika, and you will not be alone. You won't be alone. I mouthed a breathy, thank you for everything. A nurse wheeled me back into the ER. I've been to the hospital and to emergency rooms too many times to count throughout my life. Nurses and doctors in these situations are calm and unflappable. But the three nurses who tended to me were anxious, and I could see it. A typical oxygen cannula had not made a difference in my oxygen levels. In less than a minute, they switched it out for a clear plastic face mask that covered my mouth and my nose. Minutes later, my oxygen level still wasn't rising, so they switched that out for a fat cannula that forced moist, heated oxygen into my nostrils. A respiratory therapist played with the percentages and finally, my oxygen level stabilized. They took sonograms of my legs to check for COVID blood clots. They took chest x-rays and a chest CT scan. Then they admitted me to the PCU, the Progressive Care Unit for COVID patients. My diagnosis was COVID pneumonia. When the nurse, double masked, plastic shielded, gloved, and wearing a long sleeved apron brought me to my room, one thing stood out as being unusual. There was a huge vent contraption. 
It was the size of a large window AC unit and had a large vent tube similar to what runs from a clothes dryer to the wall, except this tube was about two and a half to three feet in diameter. And when we came in, the sound of sucking filled the room. It was like the loud hand dryers in a public restroom. That's the vent that we put in all the COVID rooms, the nurse said, reading my mind. In a few hours, you're going to be begging me to turn it off, but I can't. It has to stay on the whole time. So get used to the noise that's going to keep you awake at all hours of the night. Sensing her negativity about a sound she was good and tired of, I thought to myself, Nope. That's the white noise that's going to help me sleep and get all the rest I need. I answered her in my head because I knew she wasn't ready to hear it from my mouth. My motto for this whole idea had become twofold. One, fight harder. And two, smile. Confuse your flesh. So, as I entered my new room, I smiled. For the first time in 12 days of constant suffering in my apartment, I finally felt safe. They were going to take care of me, and I was determined to keep smiling about it. I was in the hospital for 11 days. The only treatments I received were IV antibiotics for the pneumonia, IV steroids for the whole body inflammation, which was really pretty bad, anticoagulant shots in my abdomen three times a day, my stomach looked perforated by the time I went home, and lots of oral vitamins. I was alone, but never felt alone while I was in the hospital. I made the decision to delete all social media apps and my banking apps from my phone the moment I had been left in the room by myself. I wanted to heal in total silence and without distractions. It seemed like the right thing my body needed. So the entire stay in the hospital, I just listened to recordings of scripture read by my friends. And when my eyesight finally improved, I read books on my Kindle and I read from the copy of the Bible that my friends had packed in my backpack as we were leaving my apartment. I never once turned on the TV. Nurses would come into my room and tell me that something was different in my room. They said there was a light and a peace that made them want to stay a while longer. I knew it was the Lord. And also because I was choosing to smile as much as possible and keep the atmosphere pleasant through prayer and intentional quiet. Yes, even that enormous vent machine became something that I didn't notice at all. During my hospital stay, Texas was wrecked by a legendary freeze that knocked out power and busted pipes from Houston to Amarillo. We'll be talking about it for decades. The nurses talked about it every day. Dozens of hospital personnel were dealing with flooded homes. They'd called in because they couldn't find a way to get to work. Some were just staying overnight at the hospital. 
I talked to one nurse on a Thursday who said she'd been spending the night at the hospital since Sunday. The heat went out on my floor of the hospital and they had to bring in portable radiators into every room. One nurse wore a snowsuit under his protective apron. One of my doctors wore a wool beanie while conducting his morning rounds. Before I left, a physical therapist took me on a walk down the hallway to make sure that I could stay standing on my own. There were bundles of laundry and trash waiting to be collected all the way down the hall. The hall lights were out and it was completely dark except for just the lights at the nurse's station. I didn't think it would look like this out here, I said. We're conserving energy, the therapist told me, indicating the lights overhead. It's never been like this before. We're short-staffed and waiting for someone to collect the trash and the laundry. So many people couldn't make it to work because of their emergencies at home. That week, we had also heard about the deadly 130-car pileup during morning rush hour in Fort Worth, just a few miles away. It was all because of an icy bridge. Texans are never prepared for ice. And some of those nurses in the crash had never made it to work that day. And I remember hearing other nurses waiting and waiting to hear the news. When I was back under the covers in my icy room after that odd walk down the dark hospital hallway, I watched a rare snow fall outside my window and I felt so small. My world had stopped because of COVID. For one reason or another, everyone's world stops, whether for illness or accidents or unexpected loss. What can we do but wait in the stillness and pray? What can we do but fight harder by spiritual means? What can we do but smile and at least try to confuse our hurting flesh? One conversation with my doctor stood out to me, and I believe it is worth sharing here. He said, Nika, I want you to know you didn't do anything wrong. Lupus was a factor beyond your control in your COVID experience. Yeah, I had seen several people I know recover just fine at home, I told him, with only varying degrees of illness and none so bad as me. For some of my friends, it was hardly a blip on the radar. They were better in a day or two. For others, it was pretty miserable, and they were in it for the long haul. And I just thought I was going to be one of those miserable ones. Don't blame yourself for thinking that, he said. Let me tell you, this is the pattern that we've seen over the last year. COVID can be thought of as a 12-day hike up a mountain. Some people walk up for three days, and then they walk back down for three more days, and that gives them a total of a six-day experience with COVID. Maybe others walk up the mountain for 10 days, and then they walk back down for 10 days. That gives them a 20-day experience with COVID, and their symptoms 
reach a level 10 because that's how far in they went. And then there are the people here on this hallway. They walked the whole way up the 12-day mountain and there they found out it was a cliff. You are one of the ones who got all the way to the top and then realized on the 12th day there was no more room to turn around and go back. So you stood there on Sunday on your tippy toes, trying to balance for as long as you could, but then you fell off. Your friends were there to catch you. Nika, you were in respiratory failure on February 7th. If they hadn't brought you in, your story would have ended a very different way. Tears filled my eyes as he spoke. You don't know how unusual it is for you to go home without an oxygen tank after only 11 days here in the hospital. Some of the patients on this hallway had the same damage visible on CT scans that you did when you came here, but they've been here for two months, three months, and are still struggling. You have been a bright spot of good news in my life. You've gotten better every single day without fail. It has made me and the other doctors feel so good. I've even gone home to tell my wife about it. The thing is, I just can't figure out what you're doing that's making such a difference in your recovery. I pointed at the Bible that was sitting on my lap. It's this, I said. Reading the Bible every day has made the difference. That and prayer. I have a whole lot of people praying for me right now. A whole lot. Well, whatever it is that you're doing, it works, he said. I'm telling you, sir, it's prayer. Prayer works. I left the hospital and stayed with a friend for seven days of bed rest. I had thought I would go home with no problem, but after 22 days of fighting COVID, I was much weaker than I realized, and I was glad that my friends had put a plan in place. So after that week of bed rest, when I finally went back to my apartment to live on my own, I discovered that the same friends had cleaned that apartment the day I'd gone to the hospital, washing all the dishes, changing the sheets, emptying the refrigerator of perishable food, taking out the trash, and doing my laundry and dry cleaning. It was a dream to come home to. And that's not all. They had set me up for success with a week's worth of fresh meals. And when they had put the word out on Facebook that I had been sick, dozens of people sent money to cover my expenses for a few months. This meant more than I can say. Because I'm self-employed and do not have a staff, my business took a tremendous hit after my two-month absence. One man who is a friend of a friend, even organized his neighborhood and collected money to pay for my rent. I don't even know him. The way that believers showed up for me in my time of need is 
astonishing and humbling and beautiful and exactly what Jesus had in mind when he gave us the gift of the church. I felt some pressure to jump right back into business and social media when I regained some strength. I went ahead and tried posting one or two things, but it just didn't feel right. I sensed the same thing that I'd been sensing since the moment I entered the hospital. God wasn't through. He wanted to talk with me about the way that I'd been living and working. There's no question that I was more susceptible to COVID because I had let my body run down due to overwork. I'm not a type A personality at all. Believe me, I know how to slow down and take a day off. It's just that I'm creative, so I like to keep trying everything that comes to my mind. So over the last two years, I had tried a lot. I thought of a magazine, so I made a magazine. I thought of an annual in-person event, so I made an annual in-person event. I thought of an online mentoring membership, so I made an online mentoring membership. I thought of a digital course, so I made a digital course. I thought of private coaching, so I made private coaching programs. And on top of it all, I was still thinking about all the new books that I would write. Needless to say, it was just too much. After praying and being still, after evaluating the array of delightful projects on my plate, I could clearly see the next steps the Lord was leading me to take. It was so clear, in fact, that it was time to head in one direction and cut out everything else. He wanted me to stop the Keep Going workshop. He wanted me to stop the Keep Going Scouts online mentoring membership, and he wanted me to stop the Keep Going Journal, my beloved quarterly magazine. Oh, I resisted in my heart, but he wouldn't let me go. I tried to bargain with him, telling me how great these projects were, but obedience is obedience. I kept on saying, maybe, maybe can I just do one more issue of the magazine, Lord? Then I would have eight full issues over two complete years of producing a magazine. Wouldn't that be better than stopping right now? But when I sat down and started working on issue number eight, would you believe I realized that the theme was listening? It was a theme I'd already put into place almost a year before. Well, I could not build an issue around the theme of listening if I were not listening. God said it was time to stop the production of the magazine now. Now does not mean later. It does not mean after one more issue. So I prayed for courage, and then I notified the subscribers to the magazine and deleted their subscriptions one by one. Every click was painful. It was a slow obedience. Then 
I notified the members in the mentoring membership and deleted their subscriptions one by one. With each push of the button, I had to remind myself, I am trusting God. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. I had set aside any plans to hold another workshop in January 2022. The magazine, the membership, and the event represents a tremendous cut in revenue, effective immediately. But God has never let me down, and I know he never will. So I'll wait to see how his beautiful plan for me will unfold. Here is a nice place to interject that all seven issues of the Keep Going Journal each of which includes stunning images, heartfelt articles, a themed worship playlist, and a three-month Bible reading plan are on clearance right now. Just go to nikamaples.com and click on Shop. While you're there, you might find something else that will interest you. I've created seven new t-shirt designs that all say, Prayer Works. It's a reminder that when we talk to the Lord, He listens. I hope you like all of the designs. In fact, I hope you love them. So again, just go to nikamaples.com and click on shop. So, what's next for me? Well, I'm focusing on only one project. The Keep Writing course. And with it, private coaching for Christian writers. For those who want to go deeper and make progress even faster. Honestly, I'm excited about this shift, although I know it may cause me to lose some of the people who have followed me and my work for a long time. Because now my social media feeds and my podcast will be for those interested in writing. I've even officially changed the name of my podcast from the Keep Going Podcast to the Keep Writing Podcast. I know the Christian writers who need my help will be able to find me better this way. But it doesn't mean that you have to leave if you're not a writer. I'm the same person I've always been, and I'll be sharing the same kind of biblical insights I've always shared. I'll be applying them to writing, but you can apply them to any work or any interest you have. So if you're inclined, please stay with me. I'm calling this step of radical obedience my next adventure. And I pray that it will encourage you to take your own adventuresome steps as you listen to the Lord and trust him for the outcome. Now I called this two-part series COVID Lessons. So where are the lessons? How about I list all 10 of them here? Oh, there were many more lessons, but 10 will have to do. Lesson number one, life is better when you let people in. Can you imagine if I had decided to hold on to my pride and refuse to let my friends see my dirty self and the mess I had made in my apartment? I would have lost my life. The spiritual application is rich. How many times do we hold on to our pride and refuse to let friends see our dirt and mess, whether it's physical or spiritual? 
I'm convinced we lose a lot of life when we do that. So I encourage you to remember my friend Macy's words. They were an admonition to me mentioned in the previous episode. She said, don't make people's decisions for them. Don't decide how far they're willing to go and how much they're willing to give. They get to choose for themselves. And many are willing to go a lot further than you think in the name of love. Life is better when you let people in. Lesson number two, a smile is an important tool. If you listened to the last episode, then you know that the thing that started the whole turnaround for me was a smile. I had heard Elisa Keaton say the phrase, smile, confuse your flesh on the Revelation Wellness podcast, and it had really resonated. When we are doing or experiencing something uncomfortable, we frown as a natural response to the situation. Our flesh wants out. We don't like discomfort. But it's also well known that discomfort is the price of growth. So we better learn to like it unless we just want to stay stuck the rest of our lives. Smile. Your flesh won't get it, honestly. Smiling in the midst of discomfort is rebellious and intelligent. Smiling marshals your strength for the task. It tells your body who's boss. And before long, you may even like the thing you never thought you would. A smile is an important tool. Lesson number three, when you need to check, don't text. We're living in an age when the easiest way to communicate is texting. Hey, I love it, but there are times when it is the perfect way to communicate and times when it isn't appropriate at all. So if you need to check on someone who is sick or grieving or in some other kind of trouble, please don't text. It's too easy for that person on the other end to just say they're fine and throw you off the scent. My friends didn't know how bad I had gotten until they heard my shaky voice on a phone call and saw my gray face in person. Then they knew fine wasn't the truth. They were on to me and I couldn't evade them any longer. So please take the extra minutes, make the extra effort and call or visit if someone you love is in crisis. When you need to check, don't text. Lesson number four, it's not that hard to fight harder. As long as we're talking about texting, let's add a lovely layer to texting that you may not have thought of before. I sure hadn't. In the previous episode, when I explained that God had told me to fight harder, I said one of the ways I chose to do that was by asking some of my friends to record themselves reading scripture or well wishes or prayers and meditations. All of these precious recordings were and still are treasures to me. And it didn't take that long for them to record. But would you have thought of doing it? Yeah, I didn't either. But now I'm considering it an option more often because the other day when a friend asked for prayers on social media for a family member who had been in a car accident, 
I knew this is the best thing. I recorded myself reading a psalm and a prayer, and I sent it to her. I didn't hear from her at first, but I had to trust that getting that kind of recording was more meaningful than just hitting a like button or sending a prayer hands emoji. Later, she did get in touch with me, and she told me how much that recording had meant. It's just so nice to have something that you can replay when you need it. So give your beloved ones something that they can enjoy again and again. And be willing to ask your beloved ones to send you something that you can enjoy again and again. It's not that hard to fight harder. Lesson number five, you heal best in a cushion of rest. I truly think one of the best decisions I made was taking social media off my phone and not turning on the TV while at the hospital. Now, I know it's bothersome to say so, but I think the key to deep healing is silence. Yes, silence. Silence forms a cushion around you, and it allows you to heal in a special kind of way. When nurses would come into my hospital room and rave that it was different and marked by peace, they would also mention that it was like a breath of fresh air to come into a room that was silent. They told me every other room had the TV going the entire day and all night too. Listen, I totally understand that it's a challenge to be alone with no visitors because of the COVID situation. Other than the day when my friends came and took me to the hospital, I went 22 days in a row without seeing a friend or family member, and that's a long time. Really, silence for any length of time feels like an eternity, even if it's just a few minutes. When I was a classroom teacher, I used to ask my high school students to begin the class period with a three-minute meditation with me. Three minutes of silence, and they could hardly handle it. Three minutes. I didn't get very far in convincing them how healing a cushion of silence could be. So what about you? Would you be willing to give up the constant noise and just surround yourself with a cushion of silence for the purpose of enhancing your well-being and experiencing greater peace? Learning to be quiet is a skill, I'll warn you, but skills can be learned. You can do it. Start with three minutes. You heal best in a cushion of rest. Lesson number six, everyone is facing a giant. It would have been easy to stay focused on myself during my illness, but what a lesson for me to be in the progressive care unit at the hospital and looking into the tired eyes of double-masked nurses whose pipes had exploded at home. Outside of those hospital walls, my friends and family were experiencing crises of their own. Several area towns, including my own hometown, were under water boil protocols. During the Texas freeze, 
water plants were not operating per usual, and residents were forced to boil their own water before using. On top of that, many of these people did not have electricity for days on end. When I talked with some of the nurses who served me so well, I learned something new every day. One nurse told me he had to put a cinder block on the fire in his wood-burning fireplace in order to boil a huge pot of water every morning so that his young kids would have drinking water during the day while he was gone to work. His young kids were alone because all of the schools and daycares were not in session. Typically, Texas has one school snow day per year, if that, but February 2021 brought more than a week of snow days. I was experiencing quite a bumpy road with COVID, true, but I did well to keep in mind that everyone else was traveling their own bumpy roads. In fact, we should all keep that in mind. It's true on any given day. Everyone is facing a giant. Lesson number seven, we need the church. When I say that, I mean we need the church with a capital C. It has made me sad that we've become so comfortable watching church online for the last year. Church online is pretty much spelled with a lowercase c. It's not church with a capital C. Church with a capital C is what Jesus meant when he talked about church. He knew we needed each other in many, many ways. He even knew we needed an organization to make sure that we stayed connected. The church is that organization. Maybe I should say it's an organism. An organism is alive as the church is alive. The church is not a building. It's the people of God moving in a choreography of love to meet immediate needs and encourage one another as we walk the way of disciples face to face, side by side. Only the church would have brought me meals and surrounded me with prayer and donated money to me to make sure that I have everything I need. I mean, seriously, people I do not even know randomly Venmoed me $10 here, $100 there, $1,000 even with a simple note that they were another Christian and they were happy to meet a need. Can you even believe that? Listen, if you have not returned to regularly attending your local church, may I exhort you to action. Do it. You don't just need a church with a lowercase c. Who cares about another weekly sermon and nothing else? Your soul needs more. The weekly sermon online, that was just a stopgap measure that served a very short-lived purpose. But it's a church with a lowercase c because it's not really what the Lord with a capital L meant. He meant for us to be together, 
to share meals and fellowship. I started going back to church where I could hug people and talk face to face back in the summer of 2020. And I'm so glad I did that. I know you will be too. Please, please go back and get connected. We need the church. Lesson number eight, Father knows best. I'm expectant for what the Lord will do with my obedience in closing all the projects that he asked me to close in my business. Obedience puts our little lives into the potter's hands. That's a good place to be. It's a safe place to be because he loves us and he's ready to mold us and our lives into his heavenly image. Has God been pressing you to make a move or stop or surrender something? You can trust him, friend. We are his dear children and he has our precious interests at heart. Why? Because our hearts are precious to him. Father knows best. Lesson number nine, people get sick sometimes. Many people have asked me if I'm doubly concerned about wearing a mask now that I've had such a close call with COVID. Well, it may surprise you, but no, I am not more eager to wear one. If anything, I'm even more convinced that we shouldn't be wearing them. Of course, you've just heard me mention that a smile is one of our most powerful tools, and I don't think we realize how little we smile when we have a mask in place. I remember when I was the big cardinal mascot at my high school. One day, I happened to notice that when little kids would ask to take a photo with me, I was no longer smiling under my enormous furry head. It was hot enough during a Texas August to cook anyone wearing a thick fur costume. No, I wasn't smiling because nobody could see whether I did or not. So one reason I feel this way is because we're really not connecting with one another and smiling anymore. Even if we choose to smile underneath our masks, Smiling eyes are nice, but they're not enough. We need to feel connected with others. And the very least invasive way to do that is with a smile from across the room. We need to see one another smile again. It will do us so much good. Another reason that I don't think masks are helpful is because our exhaled breath carries more than just processed carbon dioxide that we don't need to be inhaling. Our breath also rids our bodies of waste and toxin, just like sweat and urine do. And in the same way that I would never consider drinking one of those byproducts, I'm also not interested in rebreathing what amounts to breath excrement. Please forgive me for being so crude, but we were not designed to inhale what we have just exhaled. 
We just weren't. That's not healthy. I think it will harm us in the long run. But the most important reason I choose not to wear a mask is because I'm not sure that it's really working. The numbers in Texas have gone down since we were delivered from the mask mandate. But would we continue to insist that masks are helping? Are we really using our highest critical thinking skills? I'm, I'm asking. Someone wearing a mask was diagnosed with a fatal form of cancer today. Someone wearing a mask died from a heart attack today. Someone wearing a mask died from a brain aneurysm today. Someone wearing a mask is fighting MS today. And why? Because there are some illnesses that cannot be avoided no matter how much you try to protect yourself. There was nothing I could do to stop myself from getting lupus. There was absolutely nothing I could do to ward off a paralyzing stroke. And there are many, many things, including lupus and a stroke, that are much more severe than COVID, let me tell you. And you won't be able to prevent those things. I believe the more we live in the toxic spiritual atmosphere of fear and a false sense of control, the less powerful our real immune systems can be. That's the actual armor that God gave us for protection. And it is capable of working miraculously according to his design. A mask could never do what white blood cells can do. Never. So if you don't have a comorbidity to add to the danger, will you please consider surrendering that tiny piece of fabric and taking steps to strengthen your actual immunity, which is so much more powerful? Your body was made for battle. Why? Because people get sick sometimes. Lesson 10. Prayer works. Yes, prayer works. I believe it now more than ever. I was so excited when my doctor could not find another reason for my rapid recovery, and he had to admit that something more powerful was happening. That something was prayer. God doesn't always answer the way that we hope, but he always answers. And we don't have to love his answers. We just have to love him. We can trust him. He's good. So don't give up, friends. Pray. 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 Because prayer works. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Until then, keep going.